everyone, and welcome to Real with Reed. I am Reed Robinette. This is season two, and thank you for joining me. Uh, maybe you were a part of Real with Reed season one. That was almost two years ago now, so welcome back if you were, or or maybe this is your first uh, impression, first ex- exposure to this podcast, and so thanks for joining me. Um, I am going to raise some topics each month that I think are interesting and thought-provoking and try to promote some conversation uh, about these topics from a platform of faith, a perspective uh, that I have and would love to hear yours. And and so I'm excited about uh, the topics that we have planned uh, for this season. It's going to be a little bit of a different format. Uh, from season one, if you were part of that, it was all interview style. We're going to do some interviews uh, for sure, but each month I'm going to do an introduction to the topic, give you some thoughts uh, to to kick around, maybe provoke some uh, questions, and uh, then I'm going to do an interview each month uh, with someone who I think might have an interesting take, an interesting perspective uh, on a, whatever we're talking about, and then. The final element uh, each month, another episode will be what I'm uh, going to call, I believe, the Robinette Roundtable, where I am going to try uh, and coax some of my other family members to join me on the podcast in a roundtable discussion. They are uh, different ages, different genders, different uh, backgrounds and have lots of opinions. And so that, uh, probably will be a lively, uh, discussion. And I'm looking forward to that. You can email me at realwithread at gmail.com. That's uh, R-E-I-D, realwithread at gmail.com. Love to hear your input. I love to, uh, hear your questions. Maybe we'll kick some of them around at the round table. And uh, just uh, love for it to be a, a an interactive experience uh, as we move into season two. It'd be great if you would rate and review the podcast, especially on Apple uh, Podcasts. That really helps expand the reach, and uh, maybe we'll uh, draw some folks in whose perspectives we wouldn't have guessed. That would be a win. But but most of all, I hope that you will think about uh, sharing the podcast and that each month it might serve as an opportunity for you to start a conversation. And um, if, if that happens, then I am delighted and the, the time has been well spent. So speaking of time, without further ado, let's get to season two, episode one, COVID is over. COVID is over. At least uh, that's what President Biden said uh, the third week in September. And I don't know how you felt when when you heard that news. Uh, when I think about my reaction, it was all over the place. It was, in one sense, skeptical, um, mainly because I'm skeptical about most uh, things that I hear, um, not just because of uh, President Biden's uh, political affiliation. I probably would have been skeptical regardless of that. But it's, but so I was skeptical, and it raised a bunch of questions about, um, well, how does he know? Who who told him? Um, is is there one person that gets to make that decision? All kinds of of, uh, of things came up that I would maybe uh, look lump under the skeptical reaction. Um, but it, I have to admit, 
that another reaction was that I, I had a similar thought recently. Um, I'm not sure that I voiced it to anyone, but, but I, I can remember specifically in the last month or so thinking as I live my life, as I look around, um, it sort of seems like it's, um, gone. It's, it's something that is in the, the rear view mirror. Now I know because of all of the other information that's that's out there, that that's not true. But my experience told me something different um, as I walked into restaurants, as I went about uh, my daily business. And so, um, yes, I was skeptical, but I also had a similar thought. And I thought, oh, maybe, uh, maybe I agree with him on that. And, and maybe uh, lastly... I would say uh, my response was, well, that would be great. I mean, I I do so much want for that to be true. And I uh, obviously, I understand that that affects uh, the way I interpret uh, something. If I want it to be true, then I believe it more readily. If I don't want it to be true, then I tend to question uh, more. You're probably similar. But uh, on on this one, um, I I don't know what to think. I'm not sure why he said it. <laughs> Since then, uh, some people have came out, come out, um, and said, uh, that he said it without checking with anybody and that it might, uh, make things worse, not better. The fact that he said it, um, but, uh, but he did say it. And so I wanted to ask the question, um, okay. If it is or it isn't, um, I'm not smart enough to um, to understand. But uh, there is some sort of sense of a a new season, anyway, of of dealing with the COVID virus, and and the virus itself is not uh, nearly as much in the forefront of uh, determining and directing our actions and attitudes uh, as it was two years ago. Uh, March 14th, 2019. Um, I believe that's the day. Uh, 857 days ago, if you're listening to this in the first uh, week of October 2022, uh, lockdowns and uh, school shut down and you couldn't go to work anymore. And uh, if you had work, uh, many were furloughed or, or laid off. At that moment, and we had no idea. At first, I think we thought it was a couple of weeks uh, that were it was going to impact, and then that became very clear very quickly that that wasn't uh, correct. And then, uh, you know, in the months to come, the masks, the tests, the vax, the 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 grief, really more more than. Anything, I think certainly there were a lot of um, outcomes of all of the changes that were made in our lives during that time. But uh, but the loss uh, was was at least up there in terms of uh, the most potent um, actions uh, that we had to deal with. Um, Over a million people died in just the United States alone, maybe close to 15 million worldwide and um in a society that doesn't do great at dealing with uh loss or death and dying 
um, regularly um, to lump in all of the different components of the the COVID pandemic uh, means that there is some significant um, impacts that I think we um, have not yet um, begun to understand about what it means for us as a whole country to go through that kind of loss and not have all of the uh, coping mechanisms in place or, or even interpretation uh, mechanisms in place of how to deal with it. And so th- that's where faith comes in. And th- certainly there were a lot of uh, people um, speaking from a platform of faith um, in and during and, and certainly after uh, the the peak of the pandemic. Um, communities of faith were impacted drastically. And so maybe in this episode, what I want to raise uh, as a topic is, so some things are different. Um, what has changed in the landscape of faith and faith communities in our country, in the United States, um, as a result of the COVID pandemic? And then what hasn't changed? Because there are certainly some things that have not changed uh, as a part of the pandemic. So um, let me suggest a few things, three things that have changed, and then three things that haven't changed. And I'd love uh, to hear your your input. So three things uh, that I believe uh, are very different uh, than they were at the beginning of the pandemic. This is just my list. And at the top of the list has to be uh, church attendance. This is a a personal one for me since uh, I'm a part of a, a church leadership and have seen uh, the attendance uh, over the past two and a half years, and um, we could never predict uh, how it was going to go. I, mean, I guess certainly we could predict when people were not allowed to meet that, uh, that the attendance would be uh, at zero in person. But even after that, as churches were allowed to reopen uh, the predictability of how many people who would come who wouldn't come uh, you know the restrictions that were that were in place were for many people a, a barrier too great to to get over but we thought that that would end uh, at some point and and I, I don't think I'm alone in this I think that uh, you know as I talked to other pastors from around the country uh, there was this hope that at some point there would just be a reset um, when when all the restrictions were taken away, when all of uh, the dangers were mitigated, that it would be just like a reset, that the attendance that we could expect would be um, just like it was uh, before that we even heard the word pandemic uh, for the first time. And it, there were these mile markers that we talked about. It, well, it'll be at Easter. You know, at Easter, that's when we'll see uh, the reset. Uh, oh, well, maybe it'll be after summer or when school starts in the fall. That'll, that'll be the, the time. Well, it'll be Christmas. Well, it'll be the following. And so uh, here we are two and a half years later, and there's no reset. Uh, the statistics are something uh, like 67% is the average attendance um, compared to uh, before the pandemic in evangelical churches anyway. Um, it, some uh, traditions are, are even lower than that. 
Um, but the the truth is that that has changed. Now, there's probably a lot of reasons for that, and and good to talk about and and understand. And I'm certainly not saying that uh, churches aren't going to grow. Um, I think I think many will uh, from our uh, from our foundation where we are now. But to be sure, it is different. Um, there, there are many more people that are attending online, and lots of opinions about. Uh, whether that's good or bad, or it doesn't matter if we think it's good or bad. Uh, but for sure, uh, people who attend sometimes in person and sometimes online is a thing. And hybrid attendance is something brand new. I I'd never thought about that as a way um, to, to classify uh, attenders um, prior to the pandemic. So number one on my list, what's changed? Uh, church attendance has definitely changed. But secondly, um, the emotional and spiritual reserves that are available to most people, I think, have diminished. And that's different. Uh, sort of across the board, uh, the, the reserves that we look to, to, to gain, um, stability and, um, and hope, uh, in the midst of, of regular challenges, not pandemic challenges, just regular life challenges seems to be diminished. Um, and understandably so, as we have gone through, uh, you know, a, a trauma, a, a corporate, uh, trauma for several years, which sapped uh, all of those resources, whether we were aware of it the the whole time or not. Uh, that's what was happening, and and so even though the uh, the crisis points of isolation and um, masking and um, whatever the case might be, those things might be gone. They might not be, but but. Often, um, in many situations, they are gone, but the price is still being paid for the trauma that, that we all went through. And, and I see it. I see it in people who, um, in a pre-pandemic world, would have um, called on their emotional or, or spiritual resources, reserves um, to handle uh, a crisis, and um, and it would uh, take a toll, but uh, but they could handle it. And and now I, I see those same people really struggling, um, and just normal uh, challenges of life um, become more and more challenging. I think that's different. And, and and I don't know that there's anyone that I've heard that is giving um, sufficient voice to that problem or offering any steps towards solutions. Um, where's the refueling going to happen? And, and what does it take in order to do that? So number two on my list is uh, the emotional and spiritual reserves uh, that are f- far more depleted than they were um, prior to the pandemic. And number three on my list of things that have changed um, are the rise of the nuns and the duns. Now, maybe you are uh, familiar with both of those terms, or maybe you've never heard either of them uh, applied to a group of people. Uh, nuns uh, refers to N-O-N-E-S, the 
way that uh, people will self-identify their religious affiliation when asked on a survey or on a questionnaire. It doesn't even have to be um, a, a Christian or a religious uh, questionnaire, but when asked to give their religious affiliation, there is a group of people who, a growing group of people who will check none. Now, this group has been growing um, for more than a decade, but I think that the pace of growth has picked up um, over the last two and a half years or so. And then add to that this this new group of people that some are calling the duns. Now, the duns uh, are similar to the nuns in that uh, they have a particular um, association with their religious affiliation, but it's not that they don't have one. Uh, they they certainly do have a religious affiliation. Many of them would affiliate uh, with Christianity. Uh, they many of them would say that they believe in God. Uh, they they believe in Jesus and his teachings. But what sets them apart as a group is that they um, are done with uh, the organized church. Um, they're done with organized religion, and this can be for a, a myriad of, of reasons, um, and it comes in all shapes and sizes. The demographic tends to skew younger, um, but not exclusively. And so uh, this group that wasn't even on the radar, I think, six months ago, um, has um, sort of uh, popped onto the scene and is worth paying attention to. Um, as we want to understand, you know, what the actual landscape is of the faith communities, um, both of these groups, the nuns and the duns, um, have a, a great deal to say about um, where we are and what moving forward uh, as a faith community might need to to look like. Okay, so there's my list. Uh, three things that have changed, church attendance, uh, spiritual reserves, um, and the nuns and the duns uh, as a group. And let me not stop there, though. I, I, I do want to finish with three things that I think have not changed, because there are many things that haven't changed at all. And I, and I think that's just as important to, to point out. And, and the top of my list of things that are the same is the gospel. The gospel never changes. The The good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus and the life that that uh, presents to us through faith, that doesn't change. It, it never has. It never will. Jesus said of himself, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the gospel has not changed um, because of the pandemic. The gospel, of course, means good news. And my concern is not that the gospel is changing or even that anyone's trying to change it, but that in the presentation of the gospel, it doesn't sound very good um, to many people in our day. And and that, I think, is concerning, um, to think about how we can make good news not sound good uh, is an interesting question. And uh, the, you know, the the need at this point uh, for some good news. Remember the John Krasinski uh, web-based program uh, early days into the the pandemic and uh, quarantines and, and all of that. And, and people just loved it. 
um, because they were so hungry for good news. And and the gospel is the best news ever. And and sometimes it's not presented or heard that way. And, and I think that's an issue, but the gospel hasn't changed. Uh, number two on my list um, r- related to that is that the mission of the church hasn't changed become of the, because of the pandemic. Um, the mission of the church is to share the gospel with a world who desperately needs good news. And uh, I, I think we had some opportunity uh, to do that in a very unique way uh, during the pandemic. And um, many seem to have not taken advantage of that, uh, that, that opportunity. I think about, uh, you know, just the historical fact that in the first century church, one of the ways that uh, the, the Christian community uh, got notoriety was during a crisis, during the, the plagues of the first two centuries and how the the Christ followers were known for uh, un, uh, uncanny compassion uh, for people that were not uh, part of their group uh, for courage uh, and and that was a big deal in terms of uh, of, of allowing the um, the, the people to get a sense of who the church really was and um, some people did that uh, during the the crisis that we just went through. Um, I, I know there were a lot of people who who served the community really well, but in general, it feels like that the reputation that uh, the Christian community had during that time was either weird or angry, and um, or both. <laughs> and I don't have to tell you that uh, weird, angry people are are not who you are typically drawn to. And um, so I I think that uh, that's a a missed opportunity, but the mission of the church didn't change and the opportunities didn't go away. Uh, Maybe they're different, uh, but but we have just as many uh, opportunities um, to to share uh, the love of Christ with a hurting, broken world. And, And any church, any faith community that can do that, um, is is going to find opportunity um, this year and and any year. So uh, the gospel hasn't changed. The mission of the church hasn't changed. And then finally, the opportunity and the need to hand off to the next generation of faith leaders um, has not changed. Um, that was certainly a part of uh, the the landscape before the pandemic and. It has not changed, and it, maybe it's increased in importance as as we look at the the opportunities that lie ahead for the church. And um, th- there are people like me who, who have been in church leadership for the last generation um, who need to take really seriously uh, the idea of our responsibility in setting up uh, the next generation leaders in ways that they can have success, maybe in ways that we didn't uh, get to experience 20 or 30 years ago. I think that there are, uh, there's a whole generation of, of Gen X and Gen Z um, leaders who are extremely gifted and, and have all kinds of potential. But, but if they have to start with a deficit of prying uh, leadership away from people like me, then we have not done our job uh, very well, in my opinion. 
And so uh, my challenge is just for people in my generation to look for opportunities, to look for young leaders, and to look for ways to set them up for success uh, as we hand this off. Andy Stanley is known for asking this question lately, what's the faith of the next generation worth? And my answer is it's worth everything. Whatever we can do uh, to hand off really well, uh, it's worth it. So um, those are my ideas, the things that have changed, things that haven't changed when it comes to faith in the, the last couple of years. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do you agree? Disagree? Um, do you have questions that this raises? I hope it's at least a, a discussion starter. Um, you can always send me your questions or comments at Real with Reed. That's R-E-I-D at gmail.com. And I would love uh, to kick them around with you. Maybe we'll even um, present them to the roundtable later on this month. Uh, Join me next week as I'll have an interview about what's changed and what hasn't in the the landscape of faith in the last couple of years. And, um, And thanks. Thanks for joining me for Season 2, Episode 1. This has been Real with Reed. I'm Reed Robinette. Keep it real.